pray one more time. God, I, uh, I beg, Father, during this third experience of the day that you would move just the same. Father, I pray, Father, that whatever is said in these coming moments, Father, where, where wisdom is needed, it will not derive, it will not come from any human being that stands on a stage. Father, wisdom comes from you. And so, Father, would you bless this broken vessel to speak what you have asked to be said. Father, would you move through this, this experience and would we direct ourselves, our minds, our learning all to you. In your name, amen. There's this old TV show. It still goes on, but uh, no, it's not new anymore. Uh, called Candid Camera, uh, where they like hit, uh, make a hit, They put a hidden can- camera out there, and they catch people doing uh, the craziest of things. And so there was this early episode where they put a camera uh, in an elevator. Uh, so Ava, can you can you step up here for a second? Uh, act like you're going to walk into an elevator. Like kind of go out and come back. There you go. Not out all the way. No. Okay. Okay. Now turn around. You're in the elevator. Doors start to close. You turn around. You take your hand. You go boop. Push the button, and the the elevator starts to move. So they had this camera set up. Okay, so Brady, come up here for a second. Come to me right now. All right. So then Brady, who doesn't know his mommy, would walk in, walk into the walk into the elevator. He pushes the, bo- the button. He walks in, but they had it set up. Where now Brady knows he's supposed to stand just like this. Do not move. All right. And then Landon, come, come up here. They go to the next floor. Now they're on the third floor. Uh, the same thing happens. There's somebody who pushes the button, walks in. They say, like, oh, hi, like floor, floor five or whatever. Don't do that. Okay. And then Ava pushes the button and goes up to the next floor. It happens a third time. And by the third time, this is all taking place where the people are standing right here. And the person starts to get all sorts of, of social anxiety. And what happens when the third person person walks in, the person with social anxiety turns around, pushes the button and goes the rest of the elevator ride turned around. Why? Because although these people have not said any words of themselves, they've not said anything, the person is now influenced without any words to now face the wrong direction, to now be facing the wrong thinking, this is what I, everybody else is doing it, this is what I should be doing, and so they turn in turn face the wrong direction. You all can have a seat. Thank you so, so much. We can encourage people to face the right direction or the wrong direction. We can encourage people with our influence to go to deeper waters or to shallow waters. We, we, can, we can be a people that we may not be able to pick who rides an elevator with us, but we're going to be influenced one way or the other. We're going to wake up every single day being influenced by the world around us in the spheres of influence where we're able to pick who has an influence on our lives. Shouldn't we pick wisely? The book of Proverbs is, is a book that shares a whole lot of little nuggets of truth, nuggets of wisdom. And, and so you and I might read through the book of Proverbs, and we might go through really, really fast. We, we, we scan through these nuggets of truth. What Proverbs is best used for is reading a proverb, stopping, and considering. Pausing, what does this mean? Because the next proverb might be something about something completely different. And so we read through the book of Proverbs, and there's many problems throughout the entire book on friendship, the relationship we're looking at today. And so what I want to do is I want us to stop and to consider, pause and to think. Look at these, 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 out, these little problems, these little nuggets of truth, and what should we glean from it? When I looked through the book of Proverbs, read it all, I, I, I deducted this, a rich life is rich in friendship. 
I want to live a rich life. Uh, not, not numerically, not monetarily rich, but I want my life to be rich. And what I found as I read through the book of Proverbs is that if I want a rich life, it better be rich in friendship. And so as I pause to consider, I'm asking us to pause. You walked in here, you maybe you don't give any consideration to friendship, to who we are having influence our lives. And perhaps today is the challenge to pause and to consider. First, a, a rich life is rich in friendship. Consider our focus. Here's one of the Proverbs. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Faith is deeply personal. If you have, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, it is between you and God. It is, it is a deep faith. But faith, although deeply personal, is not meant to be a private faith. It is meant to be lived out among other people. So as you live your faith out, as you live your life out to other people, you can surround yourself with bad company, and bad company leads to corrupt morals. But if I want to be wise, I should be walking, hanging out with wise people, hoping to learn from them and to become like them. That is why he, the proverb that says uh, about iron sharpening. Why? Because people sharpen people. If you, want, if you want to be dull, hang out with dull people. If you want to be sharp, hang out with sharp people. How do we sharpen one another? How do we grow in wisdom when we hang out with wise people? We, we can sharpen each other through competition. You've been on a sports field where, where you're, your teammate and you are, are competing. You're, you're giving it to each other and you're trying, to get, you're trying to outdo each other for the betterment and for growth. We can do that in the church circles. Here's where I want to be competitive in my friendships in the, in the church circle. Let me outdo you in loving people inside and outside the church. Let's outdo one another. Let's get competitive with loving each other better because you know what happens when that is our competition? Every single person wins. That's a good competition. So we can encourage each other. We can sharpen each other with that type of a, with that type of a competition. And we can encourage each other. That's how we sharpen each other. You did well there. That was good. That's worth repeating. You made a wise decision. We sharpen each other. We embrace hard conversations. We challenge each other. Was like, was that the best decision? Was that the best way to handle? We can sharpen each other when we embrace challenging conversations. And we can sharpen one another when we share our thoughts and our methodology with how we handle different situations. Uh, uh, Solomon goes on to say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I want my life, when I think about my focus, I want my, 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 my tongue, my words to be life-giving, not life-draining or life-sucking. <laughs> he goes on to say, make no friendship with a man given over to anger, nor uh, go to, with a wrathful man. There's other proverbs that we'll talk about, like the speech lining up with actions. And, and when, when this isn't true, like when, when you're a man that, that's speaking all sorts of things, how can, you, how can you be a man of great integrity when you're given over to great wrath? This, this is alluding to a person of, of falsehood, a person that is, that is fake, that is, that is speaking one way and, and doing another. When, when we put this in the concept of friendship, why on earth would we want to live in a lying life, a fake life, to gain a friend? I, I want this friend, and so I got to speak a certain way. I got to talk a certain way for them to be my friend. Is that truly the friendship that you want? If you have to change yourself to gain a friend, is that truly a friendship that you want? 
And so he talks about avoiding certain people. Now, now in the context here, like, what, 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 what Solomon is not going to say is avoid. Hey, if they're, uh, if they're an unbeliever, if they're de-churched, if they're unchurched, if they don't know anything about Jesus, have nothing to do with him. That is not what is being said. But those outside the church have a focus and have goals that are not true of those inside the church. And so what, what, what uh, Solomon is saying is make their goals not your goals. Don't seek after them, making their mission your mission. No, we are on mission for them while not taking on their mission. And so I, I had this, uh, this experience where I went to an assessment uh, for church planning, where there was a whole lot of people from around the country invited to Orlando, Florida, and they were going to be assessed on if God has a call in their life for them to start churches. They invited a whole bunch of uh, previous church planters to, to come and assess. My wife and I went down there. And uh, I have this issue where I can lack grace. I can, I can, I can lack mercy in my speech. I, I don't want to just cut right to it. I, I don't, I don't want to spend time beating around the bush. Let's just like head on, take it. And, and I want to go a loving place, but I don't want to take the time to have loving speech. And so that played out in this, in this assessment where day one, we just meet these individuals. And, and day one, I'm, I'm in a room. Uh, and I just met the, the, this guy that's now going to preach a sermon, uh, tell about his call to ministry and what he, where he's going with ministry, how he wants to start a church. Him and his wife are up there together. And I saw a glaring red flag. I saw something that was like, like, oh my gosh, we need to address this. And so I asked one of those questions that's like, you know, you ask a question, you kind of go for the jugular. I was like, hey, you said this, but really how should you have handled that situation? And all of a sudden this guy's like, I've never met you before. I mean, I'm, I'm in a room of people. Now I'm like defending myself. Like it was, it was completely lacking all sorts of grace to ask that sort of a question. And the guy next to me had been like, this was like his 85th assessment. A guy named Lee, he kind of put his hand on, on, on my desk and said, well, actually, before you answer that, tell me about some books you're reading. What's the best book you've read this year? And he took it a completely different direction. Now I talked to Lee behind the scenes and Lee had the same opinion I had. He saw the same red flag. He, he actually had a stronger opinion. He actually was more concerned than even I was. And what I learned through that experience was that Lee knew how to do, go about a process. Lee knew how to speak grace. Lee knew that, hey, on day one, we're going to handle it this way. But by day four or five, then we can start speaking a little bit harder. So what I learned was what Lee has, I need. So I don't know if God's ever going to ask me to start a church in Orlando, Florida. But if he does, Lee doesn't know it. But he and I are going to be best friends because I want to learn from him. So some questions that we have to ask ourselves. We have to define our relationships. When you think about your closest friendships, your closest relationships, are you willing to define them so you can see the focus? That this relationship before me is a pray for one relationship. They do not know Jesus and so I'm waking up every single day praying that they will find Jesus and that God might use me. When I hang out with them, my focus is the gospel. My focus is not, hey, you know nothing about Jesus, give me marital advice. You know nothing about Jesus. Give me advice on how to give to the church. You know, like, no, my focus is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. But then I might have another relationship. Maybe it's endless growth where we're trying to be more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. Well, in that relationship, I want to surround myself with somebody that's trying to grow with their walk in Jesus. I want to surround myself that I see them growing. I see them challenging themselves, and I want to be challenged by them and vice versa. And so in that relationship, I define it as such, and there are certain characteristics that are needed when that is the focus. But maybe, maybe another relationship is going to be defined as coaching. Or, or mentoring, where somebody might have a gaping hole in their spiritual walk. That this, they're, they're doing, they're Christian, but they, this is good, this is good, but they're not crushing it right here. 
Well, I am crushing it in that area. God has been so good to me, I can come alongside them. So a gaping hole is a good thing because I'm going to define this as a mentoring and coaching type of a relationship. So we must define the focus to help us in these relationships. So a rich life is going to be rich in friendship. We're going to consider, we're going to pause, consider the focus, but now we need to pause and consider bad habits. Here's uh, some of the things that Solomon says uh, about bad habits. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever utters slander is a fool. Another proverb says, And with his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge the righteous are delivered. Another proverb says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. No one admits to being a babbler, but we all know some babblers. <laughs> like another proverb, like a madman who throws uh, fire, firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. For the lack of wood, fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. Spreading somebody else's business does no good. You can, you can gossip by saying truth. You can say what is truth, but it's not your business to say. That is a version of slandering. That, 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 that is not something that, should, that we should take part of. We're not, we shouldn't take part of, of gossip. Why? Because gossip can be seen as violence. Our tongues can be a part. Like there's physical violence, but our tongues can bring, can bring violence to people when we, when we destroy their lives with our words. And so if you're in a friendship, here's a bad habit. They keep telling you somebody else's secrets. And you think, oh, that's, that's all nice to hear this gossip. Guess what? You hear somebody else's secrets, it's likely someone else is hearing your secrets. So if you see conflict, 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 I hate drama, but drama always seems like you are a person of drama. And when that follows you, maybe it's because of gossip. Gossip has a way of fueling fires. Gossip has a way of taking what is small and making it that much bigger. So the way to, to, to lighten the load, the way to, to remove the fire, is to remove the fuel and in this regards remove the gossip the gossiper he, he talks about another type of person in the same vein that will, uh, that will always stir the pot like you're hanging out with somebody that you know that you hang out with them and their bad habit is that you you end up like getting so mad every time you hang out with them because they're stirring the par pot they're trying to get to the point of blowing up and when they see that you're at that point I was just kidding. <laughs> just kidding around. I don't really mean it. Like, that's a bad habit, and that's something we should consider when we think about friendship. Another proverb says, be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. You know what's a really bad habit in friendship? Being vengeful. Because in friendship, we go deep in relationship. And some of those, those, those deeper relationships will bring the deepest wounds. And so if I have the characteristic, or if I'm friends with somebody that has the characteristic of being a vengeful person, when wrong happens in our relationship, in our friendship, guess what I will be on the receiving end of? A vengeful spirit. Abe and I were friends with somebody early on with our marriage, another couple. And guess what? We knew they were terrible with forgiveness. We knew they were vengeful people. And then drama happened in our friendship. And guess what we experienced? We were on the receiving end of a vengeful spirit, and it stunk. It was terrible. It's still a source of pain for us in our lives today. And so a bad habit in our friendships might be just that of a being a vengeful person. Another bad habit to consider is let your, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, 
lest they have his fill of you and hate you. This is too much of a good thing. This is like, hey, I, I, just, I just had coffee with somebody, and it was great. And now they want to have coffee again. Now they want to have coffee again. Now they want to have coffee. And it's like too much of a good thing. We had dinner together. It was a really nice dinner. But now they want to have dinner again. Now they want to have dinner again and again and again. And it's like a little too much of a good thing. And so what, the, what, the, what, what Solomon is saying is that we should be wise not to overdo what is a good thing and to be, where we become tiresome and a nuisance. I experienced this with the Vowinskis. The Vowinskis and I go way back. We met at Bayside Chapel. We've been friends for 12, 13 years. And so I texted John this week, hey, you remember that picture of us making some pizzas? Like, can you send that to me? He's like, yeah, I'll find it. And like 30 seconds later, he sent me this picture, which gave me time to pause because I was like, whoa, receding hairline. Like, that was like 12 years ago. And that, like, I don't know if hair grows back, but like, I don't envision myself. Like, that slapped me in the face. But I digress. This, so that, that year, we, we got to know each other well. And, uh, and so we started watching football after church on Sundays. Every single Sunday, we're watching football. Uh, it was one of the years that the Giants were good because the Patriots are always good. Uh, and so we were watching we were watching football together and it was it was a good time. I was kind of observing John and how he parented, learning things from him. And uh, but then like I said there was one of the years where they were both good at the same time and they end up ma uh, making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, it was one of the years Giants played the Patriots. And uh, and so we we're like, okay, this has been good. We've been hanging out watching football every Sunday. This this has been fun. But John, you're going to annoy me if we watch the Super Bowl together. And I'm going to annoy you. This is not healthy for our friendship for us to watch the Super Bowl together. So I watched it with other people. John watched it with other people. And that saved our friendship until he sent me a text message after the Giants beat the Patriots that simply said, woo, woo. And our friendship has never been the same since. I kind of only, you know, I can. <laughs> but too much of a good thing. You've been there. And so here are some questions to ask yourself when you consider these types of friendship. Are you prayerful in your friendships? Are you praying for your friends? Are you praying for them to grow in their walk with Jesus? Are you praying for their spiritual development? Are, do you find yourself praying to God and saying, God, thank you for so-and-so? Do you find yourself to be a more grateful person because of the friends in your lives? Are you going to God and saying, God, thank you that because of so-and-so in my life, I'm more up to serve. I'm more out to go and to do things that I wouldn't typically do, and it's all so healthy. If, you, that, if these aren't in the case, uh, case in point, like these, these might be times where you need to go to God and say, God, there's some bad habits that I need to own because I can't say yes to some of those questions. And so a rich life is rich in friendship. We're going to stop. We're going to pause. We're going to consider our focus. We're going to stop. We're going to pause. We're going to consider bad habits. But let's end on the positive. Let's consider some good habits. Proverbs says, uh, hear, my son, your father's instructions. Landon, Brady, pay attention. You listen to your, son, your father's instructions and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a, gra a graceful garland for your head and penance uh, for, for your neck. So every parent in the room just jab their kid saying, everything that this guy is about to say, you better listen to. And in the context of friendship, you might walk into your house. You might start saying, well, I've befriended so-and-so. I'm becoming best friends with so-and-so. I'm starting to date so-and-so. I'm getting buddy-buddy with so-and-so. And your parents might get all sorts of hot, hot and poppin'. And you're like, why, why are they so mad? Well, we should pause and to consider what they have to say. They've been there. 
They've walked your shoes. You may not remember it. You weren't there, but they've walked your shoes. They didn't skip over the age in which you are at. And so we should stop and consider what our parents have to say as they're trying to guide us to better relationships. Now, parents, when your kid goes to you and says, yes, but you do not understand, we lose credit when we say the same thing. When I was a youth, a youth pastor, I loathed this. When a parent would tell their kid, listen, you shouldn't, get, you shouldn't team up with so-and-so. It's going to lead sexual places. Uh, this is not a healthy relationship. And then they would look at the mom or the dad and say, but you have a live-in boyfriend. Like your, 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 your boyfriend or girlfriend is, is over here all the time. And, and you're saying, well, you don't understand. That's, that's for me, but not for you. Kids see right through that. So you shouldn't hang out with so-and-so because it's going to lead to partying. It's going to lead to, to drunkenness, and, and you're, going, you're going to be tempted to do X, Y, Z. Meanwhile, you're drunk all and all on on the weekends all the time. You can't pick up your kid from, from, a, from a youth event because you're still too hungover from the, from the night before. If we're going to give our kids advice, are we living out that advice? That would be a good habit to guide them in the right way. When we think about our kids, who are we trying to guide them to to receive good advice? My my boys are allowed to interact with Jordan R.C. because I believe Jordan R.C. will give them good advice. I encourage that because that's a good habit that I want them to glean wisdom. Another proverb says, my son, be attentive to my, to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Another proverb says, the one who is righteous is to guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Another proverb says, gracious are words like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and to, the, and to health to the body. The proverb from, chapters five, from chapter 5 is a really critical proverb. You know why? Because that chapter goes on to talk about sex. It goes on to talk about sexual type things. And so in the context of friendship, here's what I can deduct. <laughs> Friends with benefits is not a biblical concept. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, you should shack up with so-and-so and, -so and it, just hope it works out. Because you know what happens when you, get, when you think, oh, friends with be benefits, you know what? Ah, it leads you to a situationship where you get yourself into a situation you shouldn't have been in. <laughs> we, we live in a day and age where you're like, ah, oh, it's just a season. It's, it's my season to Netflix and chill. It's my season to do that. Well, you know what a season of Netflix and chilling leads to? It leads to a season of Disney Plus with kids. Like, Netflix and chilling leads to Disney Plus with kids. You can tweet that later, but I'm bump, boom. So if we have the power. For me, I used to always be friends with girls and be so surprised when it led to sexual things. But you know what? When I take a step back, when I think about this, I can't go to mom and dad and say, you know what? No, like I'm blaming so-and-so. I'm blaming so-and-so. I'm blaming so-and-so for this situation. When if I take a step back, I had the choice to surround myself with so-and-so. I had the choice to befriend so-and-so. So when so-and-so goes dirty and I go dirty with them, I take a step back and I say, I share some of this blame. So we need to be careful who we surround ourselves with. And are we surrounding ourselves with people that can, like Paul, can say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Another proverb says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. But one who, who repeats a matter uh, separates close friends. But good sense makes one slow to anger and is to the glory to overlook an offense. 
The good habit being described here is patience. Where, where if I'm in a friendship and I am a hot mess, I can count on the person before me also being a hot mess because they are a human. I can count on where I will bring wrong, they will be wrong. And so in a friendship where we're doing life together, I'm going to have to be patient with somebody at some point as they get their life together. And a friendship should be soaked deeply in forgiveness. In a friendship, we learn that it's better to forgive and to forget. As an expression of love, I don't keep trying to say, well, remember this? Well, remember this, you dirtbag? No, I forgive people as an expression of my love for them. Another proverb will say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's those people in your life that you know you're, you're going dirty. You know you're doing wrong, but so you surround people that this proverb would say are an enemy. Take another hit. Buy another bag. You know what? Be friends with that person. If it leads sexual places, well, then you have some security. It's this wisdom, like their wisdom, where they're telling you everything you want to hear versus having somebody in your life that is going to tell you what you need to hear. You You know who was an enemy? Judas. Judas told Jesus for three years everything Jesus wanted to hear, and he was an enemy. No, a good friend is going to tell you what you need to hear, even if you don't like to hear it. Hidden love is no love at all. If I love you, I will have the guts to tell you what you need to hear because it is for your growth. It's for your betterment. It's for us to be more and more like Jesus. I'm not going to speak lies into your life that will lead to your death. And so in love for people, we say what needs to be said. The last set of Proverbs I want to look at is a man of many companions may come to ruin. Not thousands and thousands of followers, no. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Another proverb says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And sweetness of a friend comes from the, the earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friends and your friends uh, and your father's friends. Do not go to your brother's house in, in the day of their calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. And the last proverb, a friend who loves at all, a friend is one who loves at all times. A brother is born out of adversity. So-and-so is like a sister to me. So-and-so is like a brother to me. You know what happens after you say that comment? You'll then go and describe when I went through this, they were there. When I went through this, they were there. When I was at rock bottom, they were there. That is somebody who is not blood, but then we will look at and say, you are a brother or a sister to me. Because when I needed somebody to hang in there with me, they were there hanging in with me. When I think about this, I'd rather be a weathered friend than a fair weather friend. I'm not looking for fair weather friends. I'm looking for weathered friends that are going to go through life and do life with me. I'm not looking for thousands and thousands of stinking followers. I'm looking for a few close friends that will take a bullet with me, for me, not with me, for me, because I need them. And I trust them, and they would do that for me, and they will speak into my life when I need them to speak into my life. Perhaps one of the best habits we can have in friendship is to be present and available. I'm close friends with uh, Wheels Langworthy. We go, we go way back. I was the youth pastor at Bayside. He was really close to the youth pastor before me. And when I showed up on the scene, I was just a punk 24-year-old kid. And uh, Wheels didn't disregard me. <laughs> Wheels gave me a chance. 
when I was about to make a decision or plenty of decisions, I would be like, eh, Jason, you might get fired if you do that. Wheels was willing to speak up and say, eh, you probably shouldn't do that. And I, here I am. I didn't lose my, like, here we are. Wheels is a, is a good friend. One of, one of the times, uh, uh, one of my favorite memories early on with Wheels is, uh, is the only time I've ever heard Wheels uh, say a bad, bad no-no word. Um, and uh, we, we had a surprise birthday. Wheels and I, uh, Sue and I were like, uh, his wife were like, we're going to get him good. And so we had a, a big surprise birthday party. We were walking him to a backyard where, where everybody was going to yell, surprise. And we know Wheels hates to be the center of attention. We knew he was going to hate every element of it. And so when they all yelled, surprise, Wheels looked at me and said, I'm going to kick your tushy. And it was the only time I heard him say anything like that. And I was like, <gasps> like, I think he means it. I think he's going to fight me right now. Like, this is scary to me. Uh, and so here we are still, still friends. And we're still friends because Wheels isn't a seasonal friend. He, he's here at Wellspring. And, and it wasn't something where I was like, hey, Jason, we did life together. That was good for this chapter. No, Wheels is a durable friend where, where now I get to interact with his granddaughter. And his granddaughter makes me this bracelet. Why does she make me this bracelet? Because I have a friendship with the family, and, I, and, and we value one another. Wheels, Wheels is somebody that when, when his mom died a few months ago, my first call was to Sue Langworthy saying, send me the address to his mom's house where, where Wheels was. And then I sent an email to the staff saying, I won't be in for staff meeting today. You guys take care of it. I trust you. And I drove. I wasn't invited to Wheels' house. I wasn't invited to be there, but I was invited because of friendship. Because, because I knew I could go there. I didn't need to say anything. I just needed to be present with Wheels. Why was that a motivating factor for me? Because that's what Wheels is for me. When I need a ride to the airport, it's Wheels is the first one to say, I'll give you a ride. When I have a need of some, of some help around the house, it's his red truck in my driveway saying, I will help you out. When I walk in here discouraged on a Sunday morning, it's Wheels' big old hug encouraging me. So as we consider good habits, we have to ask ourselves, is our friend, are our friendships mutually beneficial? Is it all give or is it all take or is there balance in give and take? If I value a friend, do they know that I value them or do they have to assume that they are valued? Are the friendships before me driving me to a place of holiness or someplace else? We said a rich life is rich in friendship. We need to consider our focus, our good habits, and our bad habits. Craig Rochelle wisely said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. <laughs> show me your friends and I'll show you your future. When I think about this, this is uncommon relationships. These will start with uncommon relationships. As I see somebody that has what I want, as I, as I, as I get to know them on a friend level, at, some, at the beginning portion, it will be an uncommon relationship because we are not on the same page. But we have the same goal and we're trying to get to the same place. Walk with the wise and become wise. So if you have idiot friends... What makes you not an idiot? If you have wise friends, odds are you are striving to be wise. So pick your friends wisely. Jordan and I went to this, this big uh, Converge conference, our, our denomination of sorts. We go there. It's a national thing. The president, Scott Rideout, is there. I had met him before, but I see Jordan walking around the lobby. He gets into a conversation with Scott Rideout, which I know Jordan doesn't have a clue who he is. And so I sat back. I was like, this is going to be good. And so I worked my way into the conversation because I just wanted to see that look of embarrassment on Jordan's face and eat it up. And it happened. Scott, Jordan gets to the point where he joins like, well, well, who are you? Why are you here? And Scott's like, well, I'm, I'm the president of, of Converge. 
And that look of like, oh, sorry, like, well, I should have known. Like, that it was priceless. I loved it. Thank the Lord for that opportunity. And, and so, but then Jordan did something very, very wise. He, he then asked Scott, he's like, well, I'm new to ministry. What advice would you give to me? And Scott said to him, chase your heroes. Chase your heroes. I'm where I'm at today because I saw something in other people and I chased them. I chased them down till, till I had what they had. Chase your heroes. Now fast forward, and, and I think God's leading to us to unique places. I think in 2021, we're going to start a campus in, in Brick, New Jersey. I don't know how we're going to do it. We don't have the leadership to do it. Or we don't have the money to do it. We, we have no money to do that. So how are we going to get there? I don't know how we're going to get there, but I think we should because I think I, more people need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ and more people need to experience this. So fast forward, Lee, who I was talking about earlier, he plants churches upon churches upon churches. He has the same mindset that I want. I don't want to build a big old kingdom church. I don't want to build a huge, huge mega church. No, I want to build a big old church church that's moving church here, church here, church here, planting church, 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 where we don't build a kingdom of churches. We build a movement of churches. That's what I envision. So he has what I want. And so I reached out to him and he's very good friends with Scott Whiteout. And I was like, hey, your boss said, chase your heroes. I'm chasing my hero. I want to interact with you. I want you to guide me where I need guidance. And now he and I get to meet on Zoom this coming Thursday to have and to start that conversation. So who has what you need? Who is rich in a certain area of life that you need that as well? Are you willing to chase them? Are you willing to get at them and to, and to glean from them? Here's my challenge to you and I this morning or this afternoon. I want you to attend five life groups over the next year. Perhaps you're part of a life group. Perhaps you're getting email after email every single week, but you haven't attended in some time. My challenge to you is attend once more. Attend five times before the end of the year. If you're not in a life group, this is where this everything we're talking about today, this is where we dream and envision this all happening. Get into a life group. Chew on the sermon. Go deeper. Do life with people. They're inside, outside. It's everywhere. So get involved and go five times before the end of the year. You can sign up on the app. You can sign up on the website. You can, you can sign up a whole slew of places, but do it in a tent five times before the end of the year. If you don't know where to start, Lori is starting a starting point December 10th. Sign up for that. She will guide you. She will guide you to Jesus and not take your wallet in the process. It's all a good thing. So sign up for that. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.